Do you feel sorry for Theresa May? Sometimes I do. I mean, she's being held. Why yeah. do you feel sorry for her? Sometimes I do. Why do you feel sorry for her? Well, I just look at her and just think she looks dreadful. Um, what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business? And the, the stuff about me paddling all the nonsense the sea was actually closed. It was a, a red notice. You just can't call it. We will not be caught with no clothes on. I've always been a completely normal UK tax player. It's not in opposition that I want to be, and it's Nicola's desk I want. I want to serve this country <laughs> as First <laughs> Minister <laughs> and its Labour values. You can have the desk, you're just not getting the job. <laughs> If you've been to Peppa Pig World, who's been to Pads? I've anybody who's been to Peppa Pig World. In December, I'll be in Beijing opening up new pork markets. I mean, seriously, besties, what the actual fuck? Hi, besties. I'm Jennifer Wan, and this is what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business. I have to be real with you. I am a little bit hungover because last night was Eurovision and I I had a little Eurovision party entirely by myself because I am not a social creature um, and I, <laughs> I still have so much alcohol left over from Christmas, like literally my top shelf in my kitchen, it's just bottle after bottle after bottle of whiskey and so yeah, I just, I basically, the, the party was, I got drunk and I watch Eurovision and also I had some cheese on toast. Anyways, <laughs> but I'm here uh, and we're doing this. Um, we are going to talk about everything that's been going on this week in the chaotic and ridiculous world of UK politics. So grab a drink, grab a snack, grab two paracetamol if you are also feeling a little bit fragile <laughs> and let's go. Okay, so I'm going to get Eurovision stuff out of the way first. Um, because, you know, maybe you don't want to hear about that all the time. I don't know. Um, there will be some slight spoilers ahead if you haven't watched it yet. Although, why? Why would be my question. Unfortunately, our best girl, May Muller, uh, unfortunately, she did not take home the crown but we still love her sending her so much love i feel like even if she didn't win she still succeeded because she had the tories fucking pressed they were so obsessively angry with her and you know what she won she she won the argument as as a man once said uh, <laughs> um but i i i just want to say to her shout out for keeping those tories mad as hell because that is an achievement my bestie and i'm proud of her for that but also i you know i think she did i think she did well i think everybody did a great job so um she should be very very proud of herself Side note, I actually, <laughs> I actually, I recorded a cover of, of her song called, I wrote a song, um, and it's on my TikTok because I'm being made to use TikTok, 
in preparation for the promotion of my album but it's not coming out for ages i've still got some singles coming and also my christmas single which i'm currently attempting to write at the moment so i've been watching a lot of christmas tiktoks that's the whole thing um but yes so if you wanted to hear that you can i don't know go to my tiktok and do that um because i have a tiktok that i'm begrudgingly using now anyway who else was in the Eurovision mood? Well, it seems that Rishi Sunak was also apparently in the Eurovision mood. Although I I I would imagine like I don't know, some kind of social media staff did this for him. Um but he he posted a Spotify Eurovision rewind uh this week. Let's have a look. Um Girl. not this i'm sorry but i felt angry about this because the disrespect the disrespect to cliff richard okay listen i'm just gonna be real with you i actually am a cliff richard stan and i refuse to apologize for that um, I, I just think he's great. Sorry about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I will not apologize. <laughs> um, so Cliff Richard, if you don't know, if you don't know, um, has participated in Eurovision, uh, twice, uh, with congratulations and also power to all our friends now listen i know he didn't win i know he didn't win he should have done congratulations should have won in my opinion maybe power to all our friends maybe um but he's missing from this playlist he's fucking missing from this playlist and i just think it's disrespectful my man he went twice twice got his two top five placements top three even actually second and third and rishi wants to fucking disrespect him mm -mm. not on my watch i hate this um but yeah it's kind of you know generic you know sam Ryder, donna international abba is i i think they were hoping for like a little viral moment i guess <laughs> It, it did not get many likes on, on Spotify, but, you know. Um, so I guess Rishi's in the mood for Eurovision. Someone who's in the mood for music. <laughs> Maybe we should send her to Eurovision. No, we are not sending her to Eurovision. No Tories at Eurovision. That's the rules. I'm, I'm gay, so I get to make rules when it comes to these things. Um, so... <laughs> Okay, so this weekend was the Take Back Control Conference in Bournemouth, which was a, a group of conservatives who were, I don't know, trying to take back control of things. Um, apparently, one of the things they're very hopeful for 
is the opportunity to bring Boris Johnson back into the Conservative Party leadership. I don't know why, but that's what they really, really want. Um, and the conference was opened with a um, a stirring performance of God Save the King by Tory MP Andrea Jenkins. <laughs> It was, it was, uh, mm, mm, yeah, it was, it was a thing that happened, um, several times, apparently, apparently there were multiple times in the conference in which she burst into song and decided to treat everybody to her rendition of the national anthem, um, Oh my god. <laughs> Go. Go. I Yeah. I mean, I would say stick to the day job, but she doesn't seem to be very good at that either. So, I mean, speaking of people who are not very good at their day jobs or any jobs, it appears, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg decided to give us a, well, it was a take. Um, and he said in an interview with Sky News that Brexit stopped the invasion of Ukraine by Russia from succeeding. Bitch, what the fuck are you talking about? How? Bitch, where? What are you talking about? Okay, listen, I mean... Firstly, this is yet another case of British politicians taking what is happening to the people of Ukraine and making it about themselves. And I'm so sick of it. I am so tired of it. Ukraine and Ukraine's people do not exist for you to hide behind. Stop it. Keep their names out of your fucking mouths. This is stupid behaviour. Secondly, what the fuck? How? What did Brexit have to do with anything? What did it have to do with anything? It, it's not about you and your fucking Brexit, mate. It's not. Just shut up. Like, I, I feel like, obviously, you know, Brexit has not been what was promised or what some people hoped for. We know that. And it, it feels like politicians like Jacob Rees-Mogg are desperate to find some kind of way that they can justify all of the bad consequences of Brexit, you know, um, job losses, losses in investment, uh, losses of funding, uh, huge issues when it comes to people's ability to travel, um, the insecurity that has been put on EU citizens who are living here in the UK, who have made this insane little island their home. There have been so many issues. I live in Kent, for God's sake. Let me tell you all the ways that Brexit is making my life harder. And so they, they have this desperation to grasp at straws and say, well, actually, this 
um th- th- this was a a good point of brexit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like when they were talking about oh you know we couldn't have had all the covid vaccines if we didn't brexit <sighs> that sounds fake but okay um and now it's you know oh well you know <laughs> R- russia russia's invasion of ukraine would have been 10 times worse were it not for brexit fuck off shut the fuck up shut the fuck up just just this weekend just last night russia again began another assault on the people of ukraine and this man has the audacity to try and use what's happening to them to talk himself and his batshit little Brexit up. It's disgusting. Tory MP Theresa Villiers says that she doesn't know anybody that's affected by the housing crisis. You must you must know nobody then, girl. But okay. And you know what? Just because you don't personally know people that are affected, the news is on every day, girly. The internet is available to you. Get out there and broaden your fucking horizons. Jesus. So she is one of the Tory MPs that has been really pushing the rebellion of backbenchers from the Tories who are trying to basically stop the building of houses. Um, because I, I guess, you know, she's a simp for landlords, maybe. She wants to keep the value of houses high. She doesn't care that people need places to live because she's got herself a nice little home. She's happy. She actually said in an interview with the Times, if we keep building, we'll turn our suburbs into East Berlin. Do do they have homes there, sweetheart? Because that's what the priority should be. Do people have homes? Are they able to afford them? Are they safe and housed and happy? That is what fucking matters not your fucking aesthetical taste not your fucking personal sensitive feelings or your fucking phobia of the building of houses or whatever the fuck is going on in your mind right now i i'm so sick of it like i'm sorry i not to be a millennial on main but like i'm tired of these people who have safe, secure lives, who are so afraid of the rest of us having even a crumb of normality and and security and safety. Like, it's exhausting. What is wrong with these people? I, it's just a lack of, of compassion for others. It's insane to me. It makes me sick. I'll be completely honest. And the fact that this woman does not have the the self-awareness, anything like that, to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be basically bragging about my ridiculous opinions in a newspaper article. 
maybe I shouldn't be bragging about how out of touch I am and how everybody in my life and my circle is already sorted, probably through things like, you know, family inheritance, fucking, um, you know, already being independently wealthy, all that kind of shit. You know, maybe I shouldn't expose the fact that I don't know any normal people and therefore my decisions as a member of parliament are not informed in reality. They all come from my little fucking fantasy world where everyone's all right and everything's great. Like, what the... (laughs) Why would you expose that about yourself? But she's so wrapped up in her little fucking ridiculous fantasy that she actually just does that. Like, girl, I... Speaking of people who are living in a fantasy, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, th- this is this is funny, but it, like, it's not funny. Um, so, girl, Oliver Milne, who is apparently he works in comms for Scottish Labour, he decided he wanted to be the main character on Twitter for a little while. Um, he really needed some attention. He wanted, I guess, to get some attention for Scottish Labour. Um, I'm not entirely sure that this was the way he maybe wanted to do it. So he tweeted this week, Keir Hardy was cremated Okay, which is what we're going to do to the SNP at the next election. Hashtag FMQs for first Mrs. Questions. Um, okay, so let, let's have a chat about this. Firstly, it's delusional. <laughs> just like, just on a base level, this is delusional. Like, girl. If you're trying to say that Scottish Labour's gonna <laughs> Oh honey. Oh honey bunch. Oh adorable. Um secondly, I just I just find it fucking interesting that so many people who work in politics, when it comes to their own people, they'll be talking about how we have to be moderate in our language and be kind and, you know, kind of gentle politics. You know, that was a, a big thing for the for the Labour Party, of which, whether they like it or not, Scottish Labour are a part of. Kinder, gentler politics, that was their whole deal. And then they're out here talking about cremating politicians from other parties. Bitch, what the fuck? Wh- why? What is this? Fucking chill out. Like, I get it. I get it, you know. Politics is serious business. But you don't have to be using fucking violent rhetoric. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's horrible. You don't need to be saying this shit. Like, if you want to say... You know, I mean, it's a little delusional to say it, but if you want to say it, you know, if you want to say we're going to beat the SNP at the next election, just fucking say that. You don't have to be out here using this weird, creepy, violent language. But I just... 
I just found it pretty funny. Like this, this guy, you know, he's supposed to be bringing attention to Scottish Labour, getting them positive press, positive attention. And he just got them the worst kind of attention. Negative shit. And for what? <laughs> Imagine how bad you have to be at comms that this, this is, this is what you do. This, this is what you achieve. Going viral on Twitter because everyone is so disgusted by you and the things that you have said. Um, and there were a number of people um, as well, um, Jewish people and people of Jewish heritage who were very upset by this as well. So it wasn't just people within the SNP, it was people across the spectrum, especially from Jewish backgrounds, who were deeply upset by the violent language um, and how it, for them, was you know, a reminder of what Jewish people have been through. Um, it was just, why would you tweet something like this? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. I, go, 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 go. I mean, I feel like sometimes people that work in politics or are very kind of interested in politics, sometimes they just kind of, they don't think, you know, they're kind of just wrapped up in their own little world and they don't think about how their words are going to make people feel, how, you know, how their actions are going to make people feel. And they just think everything's fine. We're just in our little world and, you know, we're just, we're just competitive and, and we're doing all this. Um, and I just, I, 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 I just think that's fucked up personally. <laughs> I just think it's fucked up. Like, get out of your fucking bubble, you know? Get into the real world. It's kind of like, with, you know, with the housing thing I said about, you know, get into the real world, talk to real people. Um, I'm pretty sure the average voter does not want to hear about the Labour Party fucking cremating people. Nobody wants to hear that. What the, why would you think that anyone wants to hear that? What is wrong with you? Um, but speaking of violent language in politics um and, and the Labour Party um this time from the other side uh Labour MP Chris Bryant had something to say this weekend so he was commenting on some t-shirts that are being sold I guess by a clothing company and the t-shirts say save the badgers call the Tories and then there's a little like cartoon badger I am a hundred percent against badger calling by the way but I'm also a hundred percent against violence in general and so I do see his point so he said Two MPs have been killed. Another faced a plot to kill her. Many face regular death threats. I don't think talk of culling helps make the UK a better place. Please find another way of making your point. And I think he has a point there. I think we absolutely can support the badgers because they are they are good, good people. I mean, they're not people, but you know what I mean. Uh, 
we love badgers if you listen if you don't like badgers i'm so sorry to tell you this but you're not allowed to listen to the show anymore i'm sorry no i'm joking i'm joking uh, but if, if you don't like badgers like what's wrong with you badgers are icons we love them so of course we want to support the badgers and of course we want to support the conservative party leaving downing street no longer being in power and i understand there is a lot of anger towards the conservative party from from some people um, across the UK, I get it, I'm angry too, of course, like, every day, like, you hear this on a weekly basis, you know how I feel, um, but I do agree that it is important to be mindful when it comes to how you talk, because, because, you know, some people would think, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually doing anything. I'm not I'm not like actually gonna gonna do anything. I'm not gonna fucking kill anybody and it's like okay, but <laughs> the more that this language is used, the more it becomes normalized and the more the more people who who might actually do something will feel that it's okay you know what I mean um and I just I don't think there is any value in violent language when it comes to political discussion you can absolutely be angry and when it when it comes to the Tories I think you should be um but we have to remain decent people. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to fucking say it. I don't think that a person who is running around talking about, like, burning people, fucking cremating people or, or lynching people or whatever. I don't think that those are decent people. I'm just going to fucking say it. You know, I get angry all the time. I'm so fucking angry. This government, the UK government, the Tories. I have... I have had to watch for over a decade as they... as they tore apart everything good that we had. As they sacrificed people's well-being for profit. I'm angry, for sure. And I, 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 I think it could take a while. I'm not going to pretend it's going to be fucking easy. But I will also watch them lose their seats, every single one of them. And I will see things get better for this nation. I will. But that is not going to be achieved with violence. It's just not. There are some people and they like to fucking play revolutionary and say all this like fucking hard man shit. Um, most of which, of course, probably wouldn't say boo to a goose. Like they would. I Listen, not to be a hard man myself, I walk past geese all the time. And I look at them and they look at me and they do the little hissing thing. And I, I'm like, yeah, all right, love. I'm walking past and I walk past 
no goose is stopping me i <laughs> for context there there is um there's a lake by my house and there are goose geese there gooses geeses um they're just hanging out doing goose and geese stuff there are some swans too it's it's pretty great um but i walk past them they hiss at me and i'm like I don't care. I got places to be. I'm an independent woman and you can't stop me. And I walk past. I'm not afraid. But, you know, I, I will say, you know, some of the people that are chatting shit and talking about, oh, I'm going to take to the streets and I'm going to um, being like France and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, you know, if I ever saw a Tory MP in the flesh, I'd give them a piece of my mind. Most of these people are chatting shit and they wouldn't do anything. Um, and and I would imagine a lot of the people that are talking about uh, the violent things they'll do, like for example, that you know this this guy from Scottish Labour <laughs> out here talking about cremating people. That that man probably like if he were faced with just literally anybody, he would crumble. I bet, I bet, especially now that he's had a bunch of people laughing, making fun of him, calling his shit out. It, he would not be prepared <laughs> and and that's the truth however it only takes one it only takes one person who is serious who is for real and then you have you have a tragedy you have you know you have a murder that's happened you know and it does seem over the last few years that that more and more this is happening and and it's not just aimed at one party or or one specific politician um and and it's not just you know a couple of people it is just a, a huge rise in in violent language and violent rhetoric and I, I mean, I'm just scrolling through my timeline right now. Uh, there's a screenshot. Uh, there was this whole thing. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. I'm probably not going to go into the full. <laughs> Should I go into the full? The full story? Because to me, to, like I, okay, fine, fine. I'll give you like, I'll give you like, a crumb of context here is like the fucking crib notes version or whatever is it crib notes? Mm-hmm. here is like the tiktok explanation so <laughs> so um there's this place in scotland and they were having this like thing this event where they invited people to talk about stuff or something and joanna cherry the the member of parliament for uh edinburgh southwest for the smp she was booked to be there and then they cancelled the show she was supposed to be doing because the staff did not want to work that day because they felt that they didn't want to work on a show with somebody who they disagreed with because she has opinions that they found to be um I'm trying to find the right words here because I've been, there've been like legal shit going on and I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, 
Okay, so she has opinions that they find um upsetting, that they disagree with. Um. Anyway, so it becomes a whole fucking thing. Everyone's talking about her being cancelled. And there are some people and they're like, we are, you know, nobody has a right to a platform. Who cares? Let it go. But then there are some people who are like, actually, maybe they do because she's being discriminated against because of her opinions or something. And <laughs> anyway, in the end, the show ends up back on or something. And so she's doing her little, I don't know, she's having her moment I don't know what they're going to do in terms of the staffing because if the staff don't want to work, I guess they can't be forced. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. But that's not my business because I don't own that business. So <laughs> I am blissfully uninvolved. Anyway, in response to all this, somebody tweeted this. Remember when Salman Rushdie got stabbed in the neck? Crazy what can happen on stage these days with the skull emoji. This person is, they're trying to, they're trying to be a little sly about it, have a little plausible deniability, but they are basically saying that somebody should murder her. Hello? Hello? This is this is what I'm fucking talking about. And it's all over the political spectrum. You will see um, politicians, activists, um, people who aren't even really super involved. They just happen to have political opinions. Bitches are getting threatened left and fucking right. And this is what I'm talking about. Um, Chris Bryant mentioned in his tweet, he talked about, um, you know, members of parliament that, that have been murdered, and they they have. Joe Cox, a Labour MP, murdered. It was it was horrific. I still remember that day. I remember it, and it's it's horrible. Uh, David Amos, Conservative MP, again murdered, and again I remember that day. It was just, and this this is just ramping up. It's such a a regular and normalised thing. People are just out here with this violent language. And that is why, that is why, I'm going to be completely honest, I I think that that Labour guy deserved to get dragged. You can't be out here talking about fucking cremating people. You can't be out here talking about cremating your political opponents. That's insane shit. You also can't be out here talking about culling Tories. And I... I understand people are fucking angry. I get it. I'm angry too. But this shit has real consequences. People have died. You know? And... There have been quite a few MPs as well that have talked about how the police have been able to prevent attacks on their lives. And, you know, and obviously they're only able to talk about it after the fact. But people were actually making these plans. They were getting shit together. They were going to do it. 
And so I think it falls to us as people, as the public, to remain decent. We can talk about things, we can disagree, we can get angry, we can yell, we can scream, but we don't go there. And it falls to us. Because we cannot rely on other people. We are only responsible for ourselves. And so, yeah, you can get angry. You can make fun of people. You can be a little bitchy. You can you can throw some shade. You can fucking drag a bitch if they deserve it. But we don't go there. And I hope, as we get closer to a general election that I predict is going to be fucking messy. I hope, I wish, I pray, I manifest that we can remain decent. People are thirsty for a Liberal Democrat in Liverpool. I don't think this is going to end well, you guys. Um... So on Twitter, people have been going wild for Carl Cashman, who is the new leader of the Liberal Democrats on Liverpool Council. They are obsessed with him um, because, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm the wrong person to ask. Um, he's He's a man... He's he goes to the gym. I don't know. I don't know. I mean look <laughs> I'm sure he's very nice. I'm sure he's very nice. Um But some people they found his Instagram, uh his gym pictures, he's got his top off, he's wearing some shorts, he's got some tattoos, he's lifting weights or something. Um and yeah, they were thirsty, mouths are watering. Uh, <laughs> uh, lots of the comments. Suddenly, I'm invested in British politics. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. With a drooling emoji. Wait, Lib Dem leader is fine. Oh, wow. My bar chart has gone straight up. No, man, put that in jail. Um, <laughs> put it in jail. Put it in jail. Um, so, I I don't know how he feels about his uh, his newfound admirers. Um, I I have a theory actually and I, I got to thinking about this when I I sort of had a little thought about Penny and her big sword from last week not like that of course I have taste um and I what I what I've been thinking right is is it perhaps the case that sometimes people go like extra hard on being thirsty for some politicians because the media, you know, TV shows involving politics, all that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to British politics anyway, um, has kind of made us think that, like, you know, all politicians are, like, 
you know, kind of plain and not super interesting. So then whenever they see a politician that they actually find attractive, they just go overboard and they're like, oh my God, they're the finest bitch I've ever seen. Oh my God, I would risk it all for them. Like, I don't know. Or is it something like, like an authority thing, you know, like, like they, they kind of fancy them because, you know, they've got some kind of like authority kink and... I don't, I, I don't know what it is but there are some people and they just go wild over certain politicians and they're really thirsty and I I do worry about the ethics of that because I mean yes politicians are public figures but like you know this this guy's a counsellor I don't think he really <laughs> I don't think he really expected you know a huge influx of of thirsty people in his dms um you know, and I, I don't, I don't know that he was prepared for that. Um, <laughs> uh, that's probably quite, quite overwhelming. Um, maybe, um, you know, and obviously, yes, yes, you know, they're public figures, and yes, they stand for election and all that. But I don't think anybody does anything with the objection of of being objectified. You know, and. You know, yeah, this guy is at the gym, but like maybe he's just at the gym. Maybe he's just posting gym stuff. Like, listen, I don't go to the gym, so I don't know what the people do, but I am reliably informed that sometimes you just go there and you post pictures and it's like a progress thing. So you've got like memories you can look back on and say, oh, look, I looked like this at this point and now I've done all this and it's all my progress or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he was just doing that. Maybe he didn't intend for a bunch of people to suddenly want to engage with the politics of Liverpool so that they could look at his his body or whatever. Maybe Penny Mordaunt was just holding her sword and doing her job and she didn't intend for a bunch of weirdos because, listen, I saw something about that that deeply disturbed me. There was somebody on uh, Twitter who... And this was disgusting to me. I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Um, they posted photoshops that they'd done, or I think maybe it's AI generated, some some kind of weird shit like that. It was like deep fakes of, of the pictures of Penny Mordaunt during the coronation where they had removed her clothes. I don't know how they did that, but they did. And that, that's just, it's terrifying and it's gross. Um... And I just, no bueno, Mm -mm. no thank you, don't like this. Um, And I I do, I do worry, I do worry, I just, I just just do worry. Um, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say it, I'll admit it, there are, there are some politicians that I, um, I like. I'm not. I'm not fucking telling you who, so don't ask me. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But I, you know, firstly, I would never tell them. I would never post about it publicly, in case they saw and felt like really objectified and shit. Like that would be weird. I would never like make fake pictures of them half naked during the fucking coronation i wouldn't do that i wouldn't be posting you know pictures of them you know from the gym and posting thirsty comments i wouldn't i wouldn't do that shit because it's weird and kind of like with the the violent rhetoric thing 
I do wonder why people are so comfortable doing this. <laughs> I don't know. Like, society has just fallen apart over the last decade. I don't know. Um, but it, it concerns me. I'll be honest. It concerns me. I feel uncomfortable with it and I feel weird about it. So there we go. I've said my piece on that. Something else I'm uncomfortable with, Boris Johnson. <laughs> just in general, just in general. No, um, uh, but Boris Johnson back in the news because his legal bills for Partygate and all the lawyers he's employing because of that, well, we're now being charged more money, guys. I... So his bill is rising again. Again. I I cannot stand this Buddha. I cannot stand him. Why why are we paying for it? I, this bitch can always find money when he wants it. He can find money for houses, for fucking ugly wallpaper that Carrie wants or whatever. Why can't he find the money for this? For something that we know he did, by the way. The money to defend him for something we all know that he did. Put it in jail. Put it in jail. Um, put it on the naughty step. That could be a, <laughs> a cause of action that the Speaker of the House wants to take. Mm, that was kind of a good subway. Did we like that? Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> this week in the House of Commons, the Speaker of the House, Lindsay Hoyle, shouted at... <laughs> it was actually, it was kind of funny. He shouted at Kemi Badenoch for being rude um, and was very, very upset. Uh, so Kemi Badenoch was... I guess Miss Thing decided to try and be sassy and funny and cute and sarcastic um she was being asked about why yet again important information that should have been brought in front of the house first was again sent to the media and so she said i'm very sorry that the sequencing we chose was not to your satisfaction and the speaker kind of lost it for a moment. And he, he said, well, shouted, that's totally not acceptable. Who do you think you're speaking to, Secretary of State? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. She probably thinks that she's speaking to a Speaker of the House who has been letting her and the rest of the Tories get away with everything. I'm sorry to be the one who has to tell him this, but Lindsay Hoyle has repeatedly just kind of allowed the Tories to do stuff. All he does is kind of give them a bit of a, you know, oh, don't do that. It's really fucked up. Or he makes some joke about, oh, you have to go go and have a cup of tea if you won't be quiet. Every week in Prime Minister's Questions, multiple times, he has to basically tell Tories off like they're five years old because they're being loud, they're being disruptive, they're being ridiculous. And 
every week he makes it kind of jokey and familiar, like he's telling off, you know, sort of with a knowing wink. And I'm sorry, but that's pathetic. And that's why they keep doing it, because they know that there's absolutely no consequences. However, however, if he were to actually get fucking hard with them and be like, no, get out. If he were to actually lay down the law every single time, then perhaps the Tories wouldn't feel that they could backchat him. Perhaps they wouldn't feel that they can be disruptive every single week during Prime Minister's questions. If he actually acted with any authority for once, maybe this wouldn't be happening. But it is. So, you know... <laughs> You kind of created this environment, Bestie. I'm sorry. You 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 can have an attitude and you can get mad at her if you want. And actually, I completely vibe with that and I think you should. But you did kind of create this. Like, sweetie, I'm sorry. <laughs> you did. Um, hmm. Let's talk about the Labour Party. <laughs> So, um, Keir Starmer has apparently dropped plans to write an autobiography and he has returned an advance payment of £18,000 to his publisher and instead he plans to cooperate with a biography that's being written about him instead um, because of time pressure and the fact that he will have a lot on as leader of the opposition in the run-up to the general election. Um, okay. I'll be real. I think sometimes politicians write books just because someone offers them a contract and a lot of the time they're not good. So maybe this is a good thing. I don't know that this biography on Keir Starmer is going to be particularly interesting either, but, you know, at least he'll actually be focusing on his job instead of writing a book about himself that nobody was really going to read. Um, you know, I I just, I think sometimes, you know, politicians should think, you know, does this book actually need to be a thing? Is anybody but me interested in this? I don't know. What we are interested in from Keir Starmer is some information on what a Labour government can offer us. And we finally got some information on that. I don't know that we were supposed to, <laughs> but um, there's been some leaks and we got some information. So, um, a leaked policy document gave us a bit more insight into their plans so it included some things like this ensuring all workers get reasonable notice of any change in shifts or working time with compensation for any shifts cancelled without appropriate notice that's interesting i like that strengthening the law to ensure hospitality workers receive their tips in full and workers decide how tips are allocated i like that Tackling the gender pay gap, large firms will be required to develop and publish action plans as well as plans detailing how they are supporting their female workers experiencing menopausal symptoms. I like that, but I'm cautious because I, I, I worry that it's 
mm, I mean, it's, it's a bit, you know, you know, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, introduce rules to permit equal pay comparisons across employers. That's interesting. Tackle discrimination in the workplace, including ethnicity and disability pay gap reporting for large employers. Okay. Make flexible working the default for day from day one for all workers, except where it's not reasonably feasible. That's interesting. However, I think that there will be a lot of companies that will find loopholes and ways to pretend that it's not reasonably feasible. Kind of in the same way that there are a lot of businesses and companies during COVID who pretended that their staff were essential even though they weren't, so that they could stay open and force their staff to work. Um, so I would imagine that Labour are going to have to really finesse that one to make it as difficult as possible for employers to to be able to game that system. Uh, whether they actually do that or not, I don't know. Um, end fire and rehire and fire and replace. Establish a single enforcement body and strengthen the law to enforce workers' rights. Improve and strengthen enforcement via employment tribunals to provide quicker and more effective resolutions. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. And this one, this one, which I thought was actually really good. Um, so changing legislation and changing the law to make it illegal for companies to contact staff by phone, WhatsApp, or email outside of working hours. I really fucking like that. There are some people who <laughs> who were not really vibing with that. Um, and I would say most of those people are probably <laughs> the kinds of people who rely on assistance for everything. And they, you know, they... <laughs> They don't really know what it's like to be constantly bugged and bothered when you're, you're, you know, using your very limited free time to just do what you want to do. Um, I I think that there are a very small number of jobs where somebody is is needed to be available all the time. It's a very small number. Again, like I said about, you know, the, the lockdown thing and um, and flexible working, there are a lot of companies who will pretend that they need their workers to be available all the time, but it's absolutely not true. And what we need from the government really is to start actually getting tough on these businesses and force them into reality, make them get real and accept that they do not need access to people at all times because they don't. There are some things that really can just wait until tomorrow. There are some things where actually you don't need to bother, you know, the the junior member of staff who's probably not on great wages and is just trying to enjoy their evening. You don't need to bother them. You can just leave them alone. You can deal with it tomorrow or or whatever. Or, you know, if it's really that urgent, you can deal with it yourself rather than bothering another member of staff who's not at work and isn't being paid for that time. Um, you know, and people will say stuff like, <laughs> you know, oh, well, <laughs> you know, just, just join the union or just stand up for yourself. 
But the reality is workers' rights have been stripped back so much in the UK and whatever's left tends to be ignored by these businesses and companies. So we actually need a government that's willing to stand up for workers and be there and, and actually stand up to businesses when it comes to workers' rights. So people standing up for themselves is not enough anymore. And if the Labour Party is serious about this, then I think maybe people will be willing to listen. But they need to, I think, maybe do a little bit more to prove that they're being serious. But it's, it's a good start. It's a good start. I vibe with that. Okay, so in this next uh, segment, I'm going to be talking about sexual harassment, sexual assault and sexual abuse. So if these are topics that are triggering for you or upsetting for you, I will put the timestamps in the description below so you can skip past these um, and get on with the rest of the show. Um, but just know that it's okay if you need to skip past it. It's completely fine and there's nothing wrong with that. I just want you guys to be safe. So I'm going to start talking about that in just a second. So I'll just give you a few seconds more if you need to um, skip ahead. Um, but it's completely okay if you need to. So just... Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. If you're still here, then... Then I, I think I think you should be okay proceeding. Um, but if not, remember the timestamps are in the description, so you can just skip to the end of this if you need to. You know, if you get like a few minutes in or whatever, and you need to skip past, it's completely okay. So um, this week there were a number of stories involving sexual misconduct and abuse that were in the news. It was really upsetting uh, to read about this being so common. It just feels like it's such a bad environment. And like I've said before, when we've talked about this, it's not just one place. It's, you know, it's across all parties, all sides of the political divide as they call it um and this is something that only goes away when when everybody is involved in stopping it there are a great number of of people who who really are committed to trying to you know to stop this kind of of thing from happening and trying to keep people safe but there are you know for every one person who wants to try and keep people safe and wants to make things better and you know have a better environment there is you know, another person who who wants to cover things up. And I I feel very 
very sad about that sometimes, you know, because this is something that I, you know, obviously, obviously I'm very, very interested in politics, obviously, um, and it's something I'm passionate about and I, I care about, you know, other people as well, um, you know, even if we don't agree, and in a lot of cases, uh, we don't, um, you would, (laughs) you would be shocked to discover that actually when, you know, when you are, um, a left-wing person who's very passionate about self-determination, um, sometimes you're going to run into people that aren't really vibing with you, um, (laughs) but, you know, still, I care about the safety, the well-being of other people, um, and so that, you know, this for me is, is very upsetting. So one of the bigger stories, uh, was the departure of Adam Price as the leader of Plaid Cymru. Um, he has stepped down after the publication of a report that showed that the party failed to deal with a toxic internal culture where sexual harassment had been tolerated. Um, and I... Firstly, what troubled me about this was that there were some people whose initial response and their initial reaction was to try and play games, you know. Um, So former cabinet minister for Labour, uh, Ken Skates, um, came out and said that the cooperation agreement between the Welsh government and Plaid Cymru should be ended because Plaid was now a tainted brand according to him and you know so the Welsh government Welsh Labour is in primary power in in Wales um but they do have a cooperation agreement with Plaid Cymru um but his his first priority was the Welsh government protecting itself and its reputation and Welsh Labour protecting itself and its reputation not a thought for for the people that have been let down, not a thought for, um, you know, victims of harassment and what they have been through. No, the first thought is we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to make sure that we're clear and that everything's all right for us. And I think that's, that's very crass. I do. Um, it's also uh quite disturbing considering that um that in the same week there were multiple stories about um harassment and abuse within the labor party as well and you know this is what i'm saying there is no party with clean hands there is no party without skeletons in their closet and so these kinds of things, these kinds of cases should not be used to attack each other. We should be talking about why. 
why is it that political spaces have these problems? Why is it that so many people in political spaces will have a story of sexual harassment or sexual assault or something like that? I do. Many people I know do as well because it's common. Um, I've quite a few, actually. Um, and, and, and so I, 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 I wonder why it is for some reason people's impulse to just, you know, throw these things at each other instead of all getting together and saying, why does this keep happening? Why do these spaces attract people who want to hurt people in this way? What can we do to make people safe? What can we do to protect people? Why are those not the conversations that are being had? Um, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, so initially with, with the Labour Party, there was, uh, Jesus Christ, um, a senior aide to the Labour Party who assaulted an intern, uh, he sexually assaulted, um, a young intern, and a number of Labour MPs came out to talk about being upset and angry at how the party was handling it. Um, so the advisor was still working for the Labour Party, despite two separate investigations upholding the claims and the complaint that he had sexually assaulted a young intern and he was still working there. He still had a job. For some reason, I, I don't even... I, I, genuinely, I, I don't... How? How? And there were a number of people um, within the Labour Party who were also asking that question. And that they were angry. And and rightly so. Rightly so. Um, so Shadow Minister Jonathan Reynolds, he was speaking about it on Times Radio. And he said, I'm never comfortable with any story of this kind. It upsets me greatly and I deplore this kind of behaviour. But I'm going to be frank with you. I don't know the details of this case. The reason for that is we've had since April 2022 in the Labour Party a fully independent complaints procedure. We've got that to remove any kind of political factor or any kind of political consideration from the process. Okay, but is, I mean, it's not working, bro, is it? Because this man still works there, even though two investigations have basically found him guilty. Uh, but he then continued after he was asked um if if the man should keep his job he said i don't think anyone who behaves that way should continue in employment in any circumstance okay uh so rosie duffield who's also a labor mp um she sure had her run-ins with with the labor leadership but 
Um, on this, she said, this is not OK. And I expect to hear it loudly condemned by my colleagues and leader, Keir Starmer. Um, and she she got her wish. There were a number of people in the Labour Party as well calling it out. Uh, Charlotte Nichols, also a Labour MP, said, Yet another example of Westminster's tolerance of sexual harassment and misconduct. No party has clean hands here, and I'm ashamed that, yet again, my own party's actions don't match our rhetoric on higher standards. Pathetic. So true. So true. Um, Stella Creasy also said... Um, it's deeply troubling that this case shows we could be employing people who have been found to abuse their position. Exactly. And so, again, you have to be asking this question. If there is this independent process where there's no interference and it's supposed to be better, how is this man employed how how can we say that there is a zero tolerance position on sexual harassment? How? Because obviously there is not. You know, and these MPs from the, within this party can see that. So how 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 is it still happening? Um, and then there was another story. It was reported in Tortoise, which is an iconically named publication, because I think tortoises are great. Um, this is not great, though, obviously. Um, so they had a story. Uh, they kept people anonymous. Um, it was it was still very, very disturbing. So they had the story that a female Labour MP reported a front bench colleague to the Metropolitan Police. Alleging that he sexually assaulted her during a party in London during July of 2021. And there were multiple sources that were able to verify that she had spoken to them about it um, and that they had been made aware of the claim. She was encouraged to make a complaint formally with the party but she was worried that him being so popular would basically make it meaningless. And so even though now this man has been reported to the police, the Labour Party themselves have not actually done anything about it. One of their shadow ministers has been reported to the police for sexually assaulting a colleague and and they have as a party got an environment where she does not feel safe or confident about her chances if she goes and she makes a complaint to her party because he's popular people like him She's afraid she won't be believed. She's afraid she won't be taken seriously. She's probably afraid as well that she will be punished for for speaking up and, and going forward and talking about it. So again, you you talk about 
a zero tolerance policy on harassment, on on assault, on all of that. But if you've created an environment where your own MPs feel that they can't speak up and they can't report something that's happened to them, well, then you don't have a zero tolerance policy against sexual assault, sexual harassment. What you have is a zero tolerance policy on people that you personally like or people that are popular being held to account. That's what you actually have. We'll all be unsurprised to learn that the police are not investigating it. Uh, The Metropolitan Police have said that they will not be reporting it. Apparently, it's at the victim's request, but again, that just plays into what we've already got, what we've already learned. That she is currently working in an environment where she feels she cannot speak up about what's happening because the person that did this to her is popular. The person that did this to her is probably going to have a lot of people that have his back. And so she's scared, she's intimidated. And so this guy gets away with it. He probably does it again. Because everybody that should have been there for her, that should have supported her, that should have made her feel safe to be able to talk about what she went through, failed her. It's not her fault. It's not her fault. And I will say there are a lot of people that experience harassment, abuse, and they feel it's their fault if they don't go through with reporting something, if they don't support an investigation, if they don't tell anybody. They feel like it's their fault if if their abuser goes on and hurts somebody else again. But it's not. It's not. The fault lies with the abuser themselves and with the people who create an environment where you feel afraid to talk, where you feel afraid to speak. It's their fault. It's not your fault. And I just, I feel, I feel sad for her and I hope that, um, I hope that whoever she is, I hope that she has people around her that will let her know that. Because it's one of the things that goes around and round and round in your head all the time. It's my fault. If they do it again, it's my fault. And I, I just hope that she knows that's not true. Um, there was also... Um, there was also a, a story about the Scottish Liberal Democrats. Um, although, again, when, when, I, when I talk about Scottish parties it's it's a little complicated because um the majority of parties in scotland are effectively just sort of extensions or or branch offices as some people affectionately call them of uk-wide parties the only ones that are separate entities are you know stuff like the the scottish greens which are their own political party in their own right and of course you know parties like the smp um uh the independence for scotland party uh, stuff like that who are you know obviously registered as their own party in their own right and only stand in scotland um the scottish liberal democrats are 
they're effectively like an extension of the regular Liberal Democrats. They're not their own party, so you know. Um, so there is a a lady called Emma Walker, and she is using her social media platforms to talk about her experiences as as a member of the Scottish Liberal Democrats and the things that she went through. Um, so I'm just going to read you some of the things that she said. I'm Emma. After joining Scottish Liberal Democrats, I became heavily involved as a volunteer. I did incredibly well. They fast-tracked me through the approval process so that I could run in elections. They put me in every voluntary role you could imagine. I was trusted with private party information. Alex Cole Hamilton, MSP, enjoyed telling people I was his best friend. My lifelong dream of running for Parliament was within reach. That is, until the Euros in 2019. After winning an MEP seat for Sheila Ritchie, Willie Rennie, MSP, headhunted me into the role of her Chief of Staff. I didn't want to take it. I deeply regretted it from day one. I ran her office in Brussels and Edinburgh, based in the Scottish Liberal Democrat HQ. I saw firsthand the toxic culture. I reported racism and bullying to Willie Rennie, who told me that nothing could be done. I was bullied by a man who was worried that I would beat him in selection. I was trapped in a kitchen by Alex Cole Hamilton, MSP, and made to listen as he sacked a woman who had uncovered a laptop that was hidden because of its involvement in the in the trial of Alistair Carmichael, MP, in 2015. Staff was suicidal and nobody would help me. Christine Jardin, MP, was bullying people. People were bullying Christine. It was hell. People started coming to me to report all kinds of wrongdoing, often sexual misconduct, abuse, bullying and racism. Senior leadership were complicit in cover-ups. I was being told to persevere because I could do more good in Parliament than out with. I was in deep trauma because of everything that was happening around me. Families of staffers would sob to me as they were worried that their child or partner would complete suicide. Alex Cole Hamilton would come to me to vent about Christine, as would Wendy Chamberlain. The man kept bullying me. He told the men who I worked with that he had an Emma Walker-sized problem he'd need to deal with. Alex and Willie warned me off him, so he assaulted me on election night when he found me on my own and in tears and at my most vulnerable. I was told by Willie Rennie not to report it as this would lead to the man winning selection. Apparently, local parties in the Lib Dems are filled with old men who don't like it when women talk about being abused by one of their pals. The bullying of my team continued, and those who tried to stick up for me were punished, bullied, and driven to suicide attempts. I was feeling very vulnerable. I lost three stone in about six weeks, and I couldn't process all of the suicidal ideations that I was having to deal with on my own. I resigned as mental health spokesperson after another friend and colleague attempted suicide. I reached out for help. This was so difficult. 2023 Emma is so proud of 2020 Emma, as she should be. 
I reached out for help with my own suicidal intentions twice. Twice they bullied me some more. I continued to help others in Edinburgh and London with NDAs and tried to protect them from bullies. I wrote so many words to my party begging them to listen, to change, to let me fix it. They responded by lying about me. So... So this lady witnessed horrific treatment of staff and activists. And she did everything she could to help. Her first instinct was to help, to try and protect people, to try and keep people safe, to try and make sure that people were going to be okay. That was the first thing that entered her mind. And what she slowly realised was that everybody else around her didn't want that. So many of the, the senior people that should have been helping her to help others, helping her to support others, they were shutting her down. And then, and then she found herself a target of bullying, harassment, assault, herself. And when she reached out for that help that she had been trying to offer to others, she got nothing. It is horrific to think about what she went through and what she had to watch others going through as well while she was trying to do everything she could to help them. I... I just find it disgusting that she and so many others had to go through that and every time she asked for help she got nothing she was assaulted and she tried to speak to a senior msp about it and she was told don't report it you'll upset people don't report it because people will basically be so petty that they will give him what he wants in revenge for you shining a light on him being a predator. And for some reason, for some reason, they, they, they did not want to, I don't know, maybe look at the fact that, hey, maybe this is a fucked up environment. Maybe if she wants to talk about what she's been through and get help with what she's been through, and it's going to upset some people. Maybe those people should be expelled from our party. Maybe they should be expelled. No. Instead, they turn on her. Instead, they decide to attack her. <laughs> what the fuck? She she included uh, a screenshot of a text message um, that she received And to me, it kind of it sums up what the problem is that we have across politics, across parties. Someone sent her a text and it said, it's election first, human second. And that's where we are. 
I'm not going to pretend to you that I have all the answers. Um, what I would say, what I would say, just from a personal perspective, I think when it comes to things like this, when it comes to, um, you know, safety, when it comes to people who have been harassed, who have been, you know, abused, worry less, worry less about, you know, reputation and image and how it's going to play in the media and how we can spin this. Worry less about that because what you should be worrying about is the human cost of these things. Um, okay, story time. I'm... <laughs> I'm not sure how much legally I can say. Um, so basically, I and I, I think I've talked about this a, a bit before. I and a number of other women, we were all targeted and abused by by a man, um, harassed by a man. Um, in in politics so this man um he would he would pretend he wanted to be friends and I think a lot of us were okay with that um just immediately he would he would target you know girls because we've kind of always had it drummed into us that we've got to be nice and we've got to be there for people and he would always have some kind of crisis so you would feel sorry for him and then he would he would try and and get you to accept like a phone call or you know something like that and then immediately he would start being inappropriate and gross um but anytime you tried to stop him he would start threatening to kill himself and all that kind of stuff and so you kind of felt, you, you felt a little unsure of what to do because he's, you know, he's saying, okay, I'll stop now. I'll stop being inappropriate, you know, and then start talking about being suicidal again, about all these ways that he's going to hurt himself. He's going to kill himself. And you feel responsible because you're on a, you're on the fucking phone call with this guy. And, you know, just before there are text messages between you where he's talking about how he's going to kill himself and he wants to talk to you. And so you're thinking, well, if he does, you know, end up dead, mm, that's not going to look good for me if I'm the last person he spoke to. And the police peep these text messages where we're talking and he says he's suicidal and then he talks to me and then he suddenly does it. Um, okay, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? Um, but I want him to stop and it's uncomfortable and I don't like it and it's horrible. Um, it's a fucking horrible situation, you know, and, and of course he knew that, he knew that. Um, and so this was something he did repeatedly to so many women. Um, he also, he had quite a big platform and so any woman that talked about this would get attacked by his followers. I have been before, but I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> but I know that there were there were quite a lot of um, other people who um, who found that a very challenging aspect of of the situation. There are still people uh, who talk about this guy, like he was this really lovely person who was who was run off social media by these horrible lies and rumors. Um, they they seem very happy living in a delusion. Um, and they they decided that because they liked him, there was absolutely no way that he could have been a bad guy. Um, <laughs> sweetie. Um, and, you know, so they kind of made it their mission. You know, a lot of his followers made it their mission to attack any of us that spoke about it. But on top of that, he was a very prominent and very visible activist for a political party that perhaps I ought not mention, uh, but they used to be really into opposing Brexit. They're not, they're not super into that anymore. But um, hmm, I don't know. Anyway, so he was he was a very visible activist for them he would you know go campaigning for them he did lots of social media videos for them their leader was um filmed you know with this guy you know dancing with him I'm perhaps making a bit too obvious who I'm talking about now but never mind um you know and so there was lots of footage of the leader of their party um you know hanging out with this guy, dancing with him on camera, um, you know, I guess it was another, another one of those little viral, or, or attempts to go viral stunts that that leader likes to do, I really need to stop being so obvious what I'm talking about, but never mind, um, so there was, you know, lots of pictures as well, of this guy, you know, associated with that party. And so naturally, it would be quite embarrassing for that party if everyone were to find out that he was a predator who would manipulate people and then use that and use that vulnerable space to um to prey on them. You know, he would he would threaten suicide. He would get a girl alone by herself and then he would you know be really hypersexual with them um talking about really disgusting um you know just like the kind of stuff you would never hear in a normal situation trying to force these girls to join in on sexual role plays and things like that yeah, it would be pretty embarrassing for that party if everybody found out that their new little mascot was <laughs> was a serial sex offender who also had uh, crossed over into assaulting people in real life too. Um, yeah, it would be pretty fucking embarrassing for that party if everybody found out. Um, and so... I suppose that that is why when all of the women involved found a space where they could support each other 
and communicate with each other, several members of that political party effectively tried to sabotage every single attempt to obtain anything close to justice that those girls tried. And there were several moments where... (laughs) Like, it sounds like a conspiracy, but it was it was literally true. Several people from this political party pretended that they wanted to help those girls and did everything they could to sabotage them. Several members of that political party tried to infiltrate that support group to get information on what was going on and whether it was going to affect that party and their reputation. Um... There were also people from that party that persuaded uh, some of the women who had had really bad experiences with this guy to stop talking about it because it was embarrassing for the party. Um, and this this is the same party um, that, that there has been... Um, experiences spoken about from other people i'm going to drop you a hint here they're not super successful in wales and their name is also not in welsh just to narrow it down even further and they have nothing to do with mark drakeford or kirstama or anasawa There you go. I, I've uh, breadcrumbed you enough. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying anymore. Um, because they'll probably send people after me again um, for talking about the fact that they were made aware multiple times about this guy's behaviour. And their first and only real instinct was to try and shut us up instead of dealing with it. Huh. Oh. Anyway. I guess, again, you know, I just... I feel like what we should be doing is not trying to protect our reputations and our images. We should be asking, why does this keep happening? And what can we do to stop it from happening in the future? How can we protect people? That should be the priority. And if it's not the priority, what is the point? Okay, so I know that that was a bit grim to to kind of end the show on i know it's not a nice thing to talk about um but i do feel as somebody with you know with with a platform that i i have a responsibility to you know to talk about these things even if we're not having the comfiest of times um but i do hope that all you guys are okay um and Oh, it was a lot, but we we made it through. So deep breath. Think of our happy places. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, mine is Vegas. I really want to go to Vegas. I, I I've been thinking about it for like a month straight. I'm just really in the mood. The closest I can get at the moment is is playing like Fallout New Vegas, but maybe I'll do that. We'll see. 
anyway um <laughs> that is our show for this week but i will catch you again next week love you bye i nearly wet myself then thanks for listening bestie i hope you enjoyed the show and i will see you again next time for a new episode of what the actual fuck is going on with this whole politics business stuff about me paddleboarding nonsense the sea was actually closed it was a, a red notice you just can't call it we will not be caught with no clothes on i've always been a completely normal uk tax player it's not in opposition that i want to be and it's nicola's desk i want i want to serve this country <laughs> as first minister <laughs> and it's labor values <laughs> you can have the day you're just not getting the job <laughs> i don't know if you've been to peppa pig world who's been to pads i've been who's been to peppa pig world in december i'll be in beijing opening up new pork markets. I mean, seriously. What the actual fuck?